Smartcast. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well... That's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. For me, it really took a while to understand how. And I think like, I really needed to, to go through the physical healing, the emotional healing, um, all the patterns and that beliefs that were living in myself that I had acquired. And so it took about seven years to to really come to a place, okay, now I know how I can do this. Mm-hmm. And my body is, is the gateway. Welcome to the Liberated Healer podcast, where we touch on a variety of topics in the world of spirituality, energetic healing, and everything in between and beyond. Take an adventure on a shooting star with your hosts, Gina and Linnea, offering their wisdom, guidance, and everlasting love and support. Hi, everybody. My name is Gina Cavalier, and I'm the host of The Liberated Healer. Hey, everybody. I'm your other host, Linnea Hodson. And today on the phone, we have a very special guest calling from Nova Scotia, Canada, and her name is Anne Barobe. Welcome, Anne. Thank you. So good to be here. Well, we're really excited. You're another author that we've had from the publisher with Kat, and we really appreciate um, her sending all of her wonderful people. And you are a publisher of the book called The Burnout Antidote that we're going to focus on today. And you also have another book, um, Be, Feel, Think, Do, that was on Hay House. And I really appreciated this book so much. So thank you for sending it in advance. Yes, it's amazing. Thank you for being here. So would you mind telling us a little bit about yourself and how you got started into this direction and a little context for our listeners? Yeah, absolutely. Um, So I, when I was 23 years old, um, you know, a little bit over 20 years ago, I was in a near fatal car accident. And um, when the car hit, the truck hit our, our car, I had a near death experience. My liver lacerated and uh, in half and my lungs partially collapsed and I I was gone. And in that, (laughs) yeah, that's the topic of my first book. Mm. (laughs) And it really, it really redirected my life. Um, I know I was young to kind of have like my life completely shift, but I think I know now I wasn't meant to kind of go on the wrong path for, for very long at all. And um, so what happened that night in the, you know, in the car was I saw my life like, um, like a, a movie in front of my mind's eyes, but it wasn't the life that I was living. It was the life I was, I came to live. <laughs> 
And um, I felt it. I saw the people that loved me. I saw the people I loved. I, I saw that I was writing, that I was teaching. And at the time, I was not. Um, and I felt this incredible love that I had no points of reference for. It was not a kind of love that I had experienced as a child growing up. So um, when I woke up in the hospital the next morning, I kind of promised myself I would I would change my ways and I would find a way to to align with that light. Well, um, it really resonates. It, it took with that. a while. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> oh yeah, we definitely resonate with that journey. We've spoken mm-hmm. about it before how near death experiences and just really serious things happening like that is tends to be what really shifts your entire perspective, you know? So that journey really resonates with us. Yeah. Yeah, and it, you know, some people share, like, have these near-death experiences, and they, right away, everything changes, but for me, it really took a while to understand how, and I think, like, I really needed to to go through the physical healing, the emotional healing, um, all the patterns and that belief that were living in myself that I had acquired, like, I I had a lot of baggage, <laughs> like, yeah. I know a lot of listeners and a lot of us have. Um, and so it took about seven years to, to really come to a place. Okay. Now I know how I can do this mm-hmm. and my body is, is the gateway. Like I have to become friends and understand how my body processes energy and information and make it my friend and use it mm-hmm. to, um, to be, to be who I'm supposed to be and who I'm meant to be. Yeah. So would you say that this book, The Burnout Antidote, is kind of a product of those seven years where you were kind of like figuring out how to process your energy. Because I also resonate with that. After I went through my near-death experience, I like jumped back immediately. It was like four months after brain surgery. I was literally on stage performing, dancing again, because I wanted to like prove to people that I could just jump back in. And it was like, that was when the true burnout started for me because I was trying to push so hard (laughs) and my body was not processing the energy at all. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. Well, I mean, it took about 15 years for me to write the first book. So I would say, and that's more of a memoir. (laughs) Yeah. And the, (laughs) it was more this coming to terms with what had happened, what it meant, and then me starting my journey as a teacher um, and as a guide and as an author um, and then as a spiritual teacher and an author, that's when the burnout happened. Because I, even though I had found, I was really surprised by that, even though I had found what I was supposed to do, mm-hmm. I had finally, you know, merged those two lives and I was living the one I was supposed to. I found myself burning out and I didn't understand. I thought, mm. when you are doing what you're meant to do, you're not supposed to burn out. That was my belief. It's supposed yeah. to be magical. It just yeah. turns around in one, one session. Uh, you know, when I have clients like that have been, you know, I've been doing this for a month, you know, you're like, Oh, oh boy. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. It's supposed to flow. And you know, all this spiritual bypassing that we, you know, we hear about, like it's going to be, you know, you'll have tons of energy all the time. You'll be able to just, your capacity as a healer will just increase and you'll be able to do it all the time. You would do it for free. I <laughs> know uh, that's not quite true. <laughs> so 
so what happens for me is that I, as a, as a spiritual coach, I, I, I burnt out. And what I realized is that I had an erroneous belief that I needed to be needed. Mm-hmm. And if people didn't need me, I didn't know who I was. Mm. And I asked myself, okay, so if people don't need me, if I'm not needed by my children, by my husband, by my clients, by the people that I serve, who am I? And I had, I, I had no idea. Oh, you got to go down a whole that, other road now. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. It's, I realized that I, I think I'd always, from the very beginning, was something for my mom, you know, and the people around me, they needed me. And when I was that, I knew who I was, but I didn't know who I was besides that. So that's where the book came from. It's really from that exploration of when we are in service, which is a lot of our of our spiritual seekers and people on the path is, you know, when we service is who we are, we know we're here to share and to give and to support and to inspire. But when it comes from the place of being needed or when it comes from the place of not the core essence that who we really are, of who we really are, then it will, it's, it has a limit. It's not, it can't last forever. When we hit a brick wall (laughs) and then we start to, yeah, we start to burn out. Yeah. So this is a basically, from what I can tell, a guide to help restore your energy so you have this emotional freedom and so you can, you know, still continue to help other people, but always go back to your first and help yourself first. Mm-hmm. So you're whole and... Uh, so this is de- definitely 100%. I've, I, I, I have all these little marks all over the book and um, mm-hmm. a lot of this, uh, my journey about 15 years ago, when I was suffering, and I now with my clients, a lot of times I tell people that your spirit is going to figure out a way to wake you up. Hopefully it's not super jarring like a car accident or a cancer or something like that, but it will do whatever it needs to do to get you on the right road. So if you, you know, you're just not happy in your job or your relationship, be lucky that that's, but hopefully that's your wake up to say, I need another road. Um, so when you find that road, like you were saying, um, and going into not just even in service, cause this is just for everybody, you know, a lot of times you have these relationships and it does make you feel like you're it, when you're needed, that you're special. And then you, you literally have nothing left for yourself. Yeah. You go to bed, you just plop on the bed, you feel soulless and, um, you just feel like, well, I gotta be nice to every single person that needs help. That's the way I was. Mm-hmm. I was like, if I'm just nice to everybody, I'll be, I'm a good person. And then everybody will see I'm a good person. And I live in LA. Yeah. So I was being nice to these, <laughs> these vampires, honestly, that would take every single part of my light and soul and energy. And I didn't real. I, I thought that's what I was supposed to do. Right. So I appreciate this. Mm-hmm. Um, so I have a couple mm-hmm. questions for Absolutely. you. Um, <laughs> you know, I think a really great place to start that I saw was something called toxic empathy. And if you could maybe yeah. explain what that is, because I know that will resonate with some of our people. <laughs> yeah. And, that, and you know, it's, 
it has a lot to do with what you just shared, um, Zina, is that we, you know, we we think that, you know, giving and opening our hearts up and and then taking in, feeling what other people are feeling, that it's going to return to us and that we're going to be filled mm-hmm. by, you know, it's the right thing to do. But many, and, you know, this book is a spiritual um, guide for, especially for empaths and overgivers and people who are highly sensitive, which is a lot of our new generation mm-hmm. because of the expansion in consciousness. And so as empaths or highly sensitive people being born in families where maybe there was, um, you know, personality disorders or mental health or uh, substance abuse or, um, you know, all kinds of <laughs> uh, incoherent childhood experiences, I guess I could put it. Um, we, we learn that our needs are not important and that other people's needs come first because we need to survive those environments. Mm-hmm. And so the best way to be seen, to be recognized and to belong in these environments is for us to be, um, to be the good girl or to be the, the person who can take it or the person who can fix everything or the person that, you know, listens until the person's done talking or maybe, maybe they never are done talking. Then, mm-hmm. you know, then we become adults and we, we, we continue to do this and it's coming from a completely disconnected place within ourselves and it has a limit, like I mentioned earlier. And so what I discovered is that we kind of put empathy on a pedestal thinking, okay, this is what we need in the world. And it's true to a certain extent. Um, we need to care more for each other. <laughs> you know, we see everything in the news. Like we just need to be more nice to each other and connect with each other. But for people who this is their path, they're highly sensitive empaths, overgivers, and they're on the spiritual journey, um, empathy can be very, very toxic. And what I talk about in the book is the difference between embodied empathy and disembodied empathy. And so disembodied empathy would be like um, when there's emotional contagion and I am not in my body, but I am in your emotion. Mm. I'm with you and your emotion and I'm taking on what you're experiencing and I'm really not connected to my core essence. I'm not in my power at all. I'm out of myself and in you in a way, right? Correct. Embodied empathy is I'm here in my body. My attention is deeply grounded in myself and I understand that you're going through a difficult period, but there's no emotional contagions here. I actually stand in reverence for the more that you can be. So I see your, the light and the, um, the more that is possible in this moment as opposed to be in your problems. So completely different, and it takes a little while to get used to it. It does, definitely means that for a while, you do need to take some time away from the people who take from you yeah. um, so that you can retrain your body to know what it feels like mm-hmm. to put your core essence first. And it's not selfish. It's actually radical self-love. 100%. And once you start to adapt mm-hmm. some of these things in your book, um, Lene and I have talked about this. You, Our experience was that we lost a few friends or we lost some people that we were no longer 
kind of in that same kind of unhealthy relationship. And as we changed it, they literally just left. And so that can also feel that can bring up, you know, depending on your past, different abandonment issues or whatever, and it makes you really sad. So really recognizing that, um, that this is a process and that, you know, having empathy for yourself and realizing that you just got to take care of yourself. And if that person just left because you were taking care of yourself, then they really weren't the right. I think that a big Mm -hmm. part of this process as well is being able to distinguish your energy and your feelings versus somebody else's and being able to separate those and recognize when it's truly your own happiness Or are you kind of mistaking someone else's happiness for your own, you know? Good point. And that's a a really hard thing to distinguish sometimes. And that's why taking a step back is kind of what's necessary in some situations. Yes. So how do you, how do you recommend, you know, when you realize this about yourself, that's like a big realization, right? And then you're going to start seeking out, oh my gosh, I have to figure out how to do this. And your book is a great way to do that as well. But do you tell the others around you, how do you, how do you dress the, uh, other people around you? Like, oh no, are you going to go woo woo on me? Or, you know, it's like, uh, do you kind of let, are you just do this in secret? And oh, I don't know, what, do you have any recommendations for people that, um, how do they kind of communicate with the people around them that they love that they've recognized this in themselves? Maybe. Well, I think that, you know, the first thing to acknowledge is that, is that change is the only thing that's consistent. So you're not meant to be with the same people forever. You really are not. Um, you're, you're changing all the time. You're evolving, you're expanding in consciousness and everybody has their own path. So after a while, when you start to feel like you can't be yourself around someone or when you're with that person, you suddenly feel really drained. Mm. We've all had that experience where you're in a conversation with someone and you can literally feel the energy coming out of you. Literally. Wow. I'm so tired. I'm really (laughs) tired. And I've learned, you know, I've learned to catch that now really right away. You know, maybe before it was, you know, a couple hours later and they go, wow, I should not have stayed in that situation, uh, in that conversation, I should have left. And then eventually it's like, in the moment, mm-hmm. I'm like, I'm sorry, I have to go. Yeah. <laughs> like, I excuse myself. And I just, you just, because you learn that if your needs are not fulfilled, or if you're not, you don't have healthy boundaries, you cannot be a good friend, a good parent, a good leader, a good person of service, a good healer. Mm-hmm. Um, you mm-hmm. learn that eventually that it's the, the priority is that your cup is full, not half full, not a little bit full, completely full before you can give mm-hmm. um, to others. And if we've learned that self-sacrifice was the way then that takes a while to, to kind of get used to like, Oh wow, that's really selfish of me to, to take all that time, like for myself to, to, um, you know, to be, to be in solitude. And I think, um, at the beginning it feels radical and drastic, Mm -hmm. but eventually it just becomes a way, a way of living. So I used to be a professor, um, of French and, um, I, you know, I, that was my environment. So I couldn't, I could, talk to anyone including my partner at the time about what happened in the car accident <laughs> like, you know but people would have thought I was insane 
And because I was in an academic um, setting and that had been my life until that moment. And so it took a while for me to, to, to have new friends, new community. And now there's nothing that happens in secret. Like I, <laughs> this is who I am. And every, you know, the people that I do have around me are people that see me and that love me for who I am. And I have old friends that are kind of in the periphery and, you know, they'll come in and just peek a little bit and go, Oh, it's interesting what she's up to, but I'm not ready. You know? Yeah. And it's totally okay because it's, I'm not responsible for their life. I'm not responsible for their health. I'm not responsible for their happiness. Mm -hmm. I'm only responsible for the expansion of my own core essence. And I know that when I do that, I inspire people the, the best I can. Yeah. And you become that beacon when people are ready and that they have this, this like breadcrumbs or a light towards you. But again, yes, everybody is on their own timing and journey and, that's okay. And, you know, I, I love that you said that because we always like to express that to everybody because, you know, yeah, it's not like we're trying to push everybody into, let's everybody go into this direction, the whole world at one time, like everybody has their own awakening and timing and there's no judgment. And what, what you're speaking of as well, we like to refer to as being in your own seniority. That's the kind of the word that we use. And whenever I do a video on seniority, it gets a lot, a lot of people comment or watch it. And I think it's a really big topic. And I, I that kind of gravitated with what you're kind of teaching in your book is, you know, being senior and putting yourself first constantly in any situation. And so that's, that. I'm just tying it back to some mm -hmm. of our teachings, but um, fantastic. Yeah, absolutely. And then Absolutely. you have, and you know, this, this self agency is, you know, it's at the beginning, it feels like it's selfish, but it does um, impact the world in a greater way. So you do increase your impact in the world. Um, it just, it just takes a little bit of time to kind of readjust yourself and maybe let go of some of those beliefs that are just not useful anymore. And with the acceleration of you know, the evolution that's happening right now on the planet is speeding up. Yes. Um, it has to happen more quickly. We have to just surrender almost on a daily basis to know that what we know to be true is the way, but know it not in our intellect, know it in the heart, know it in the belly, know it in the body. Yes. When we know that we're actually interconnected to the intelligence of everything around us. So we're not disconnected from people's needs it, it it's all fulfilled in that moment yeah and and so you recommend a daily check-in practice and you have meditations in your book and ways to connect with mother earth and ways to connect with your inner child and all kinds of really soft you know practices do you have anything that you can kind of add to, towards that for the listeners yeah absolutely yeah so the book is uh, a seven-step process, but it reads, there's a lot of stories. There's more like memoir nuggets in there, like pretty, you know, good stories. Mm -hmm. um, that's my favorite thing to do is share stories. Um, and, um, but every chapter has a specific focus and it builds, they build on each other mm -hmm. so that you can take a whole week to do the process. You could take a year, you could take two years if you wanted, you could reread it and just go back to it because 
it's something that we all go through over and over again. Like I've been through this process where you go down into the tunnel, you go down into the muck and you talk to that part of yourself and you, and you see like that inner child that's needing your attention, that's needing your love. And, and then you discover more of your power on the other side. So um, it's, uh, it can be read really fast um, to kind of just take in the journey. And then it can also just be, okay, I'm going to do this. I'm going to go away for a week by myself and I'm going to do this. Like I'm going to go through the process. So yeah, it's kind of <laughs> multidimensional that way. I just love that there are more books and just resources that are being put out there right now to help people go through these transformational experiences because it truly is like terrifying to go through these changes. Yes. All of your beliefs, everything that you thought you knew ha- is like melting away and it is a mind bleep, Yes. Yes. You know, <laughs> for lack of a better term. Yeah. It can be just yeah. so overwhelming sometimes to have all of your beliefs just melt away and you're introduced to an entirely new system of energy and consciousness that you never even thought was like, you just never even thought of that before, you know? Yeah. So to have these resources here and help people go through this step by step and encourage them to take that time for themselves and be in that solitude and like work through it is just such an amazing thing. And I'm so glad that we Mm -hmm. have this book now as a resource and people can go through that easier, you know? You couldn't go around in the 70s and 80s and being like, oh, your energy is really... And and then they would just like, oh, are you going to Woodstock this weekend? Like, that was it. Like, you were either a hippie, (laughs) you were either a hippie or you weren't. And there wasn't any in between, you know? And so now people are just, you again, having these tools and waking up. And a lot of times when we do healings, um, I... Actually, yesterday was one of my fullest day of clients I've ever had. It was just back-to-back all day long. I was in my power. Um, I didn't get into their story. I, you know, I really find that I've got a very good practice now. I, I was dealing with someone who lost their dog mm-hmm. and someone who's in a really bad relationship. So it was all different kind of stories. But every single person had a release, a, a tearful release. Mm-hmm. But it, was, it wasn't scary for them because I was guiding them through that. And, and then they said, well, yeah. I'm crying, I'm crying, but it feels good, you know? Yeah. And I'm like, yeah. yeah, because it's something you, that's that shift. They're, they're releasing that burden of worrying about every single person and all those stories and, you know, getting back to what you're connected to and what means something to you. And it can, like you said, change, it could change, right? When I first started this business, it was, I'm going to do you know, corporate clients, I'm going to do these kind of classes. I'm going to do this. No, you know what I'm doing? I'm doing one-on-one readings in the podcast, but it's okay (laughs) because it always just is like, it's a, an amoeba moving around. And like the chain, when you recognize that change isn't scary. Um, and then you have tools, (laughs) then you have tools like this where you can really literally, you know, step by step. Yeah. It's very, it's, it's super important to be flexible, even when you find your calling. <laughs> it is because because you're meant to continue to evolve and um, go into the cocoon again and then come out on the other side over and over again. I think we're getting chances to live multiple lifetimes in one now. 
right? Like you see, like when you've, you've come to a place like, oh, I've arrived. And then next thing you know, chaos happens again. You're like, what? There's more. And it's like exciting to, because now we know that on the other side, it's just more of us. It's not the end, yes. but it is, it is exciting. And, and it's, it's this, if we can kind of just go along with the acceleration and use and really use our body mm. um, as the gauge for that. And as soon as I get too much of my intellect and I try, try to understand mentally what's going on and, and, and what I need to do, I lose myself. I'm, I, I just, you know, I, my heart has a much bigger capacity to process what's going on than my brain. And, um, and in my soul, it's just so, so clear and so um, has my best interest at heart. So when I'm when I'm feeling all those things within my body, I know I'm home and I know I know I'll be okay. So when you get in your intellect and you want to like drop down into your heart or your soul, what kind of practices do you use to help bring your spirit back down into that space? Mm, so I'll do a quick mini version of it. So I. First of all, I close my eyes and I deepen my breath and I breathe in through the nose and out through the mouth. Breathe out through the mouth to release, surrender, let go. And I make a little like um, constriction in my throat to make the sound. So it massages my vagus nerve and I really allow myself to relax. And then I imagine that um, from the base of my spine all the way to the top of my head that my core is a hollow cylinder and at the top of my head there's a little white feather and as I breathe deeply I invite the feather to make her way down my core and I take my time first deep breath I see it behind my eyes and then it goes down and I see it behind my nose and I visualize the feather but I also try to feel that space where I'm breathing deeply into. Mm. And then I go into my throat. And then the feather continues her way down into the heart space. I just take deep breaths with my attention in these different spaces inside myself. And then it goes into the solar plexus and floats down into the belly. Make sure my belly's soft and hanging like a Buddha belly. I'm not holding on to anything. And then the feather finds a resting spot at the base of the spine. Take a few deep breaths at the base of my spine. And then when I'm there, I'm really connected to being and not thinking. Because I'm away from my thoughts and I'm away from the uh, to-do list. (laughs) <laughs> and I'm right. <just> here <laughs> and then then I can ask mm. what do you need I can ask my heart I can ask my belly I can ask mm-hmm. my solar plexus I can ask what do you need right. and I listen and so that was like 30 seconds but in the book um, it's like a 12 minute meditation Oh yeah, um, it's one of the first it's one of the the three exercises of chapter uh, two. <laughs> yeah, I think you also have one called Activate the Heart, which I was reading, and it's really beautiful. Um, yes. You know, I, you I know, find that the heart is such a powerful connector to the soul and to core essence. 
mm-hmm. and it has a different language that you know when we start to get used to. And if, uh, you, I'm sure you've seen this with your clients. The first time you bring them in their heart, like it's, it can be achy, it can be a little mm-hmm. scary. They can feel their heart like beating faster, and they're like, "Oh my gosh, I'm having issues." Yeah. And it's like, no, this is this is actually your heart talking to you. But we've been told that everything below the neck is, you know, you know, either it's like uh, something that's going wrong or there's a problem or we didn't, we weren't taught that the body's our friend. And so really listening like that and then eventually like, wow, there's death there. And I have access to this mystery and this infinity that, you know, feels more like who I am than anything I've been taught. And I love that you start with the breath and I, we talk about this a lot, but uh, I had to take a deep She's breath. Like, Sorry. Take a deep breath. <laughs> but um, I realize that a lot of people do not breathe deeply at all. Unless you said, Hey, do, can you go and take a deep breath? And they're like, okay, well, when was the last time you actually took this deep breath? that went all the way into your lungs. And unless you like work out or do yoga or there's something where, you can, you really, you know, you have to take a deep breath to kind of move forward, like swimming. Most people, they just shallow breath, shallow breath. They're, they don't even think about it. And that breath helps move so many emotions, so much, you know, you know, cleanse your inner workings and everything. So just, gosh, just breathing deeply. I know we talk about it a lot, but I just, I, I get blown away by when I, do work with clients and I'm like it right off the bat almost a lot of people's like you're not breathing <laughs> <laughs> breathe it's true it's half it's half the drink it's half the work because once you're breathing deeply your whole system goes into uh, parasympathetic and now you're in recovery and creativity you're not in protection and Bruce Lipton says this that you can't be in protection mode and in growth mode at the same time so when you are keeping at bay all those bad feelings, the ones you, you say are bad, because while you know not breathing deeply, you're actually also keeping at bay this peace and the joy that's available to you. So deepening the breath, yes, can bring up stuff, but it also opens you up to so much more. Mm-hmm. It changes changes everything. Absolutely. Yeah. This has been really... And you, mm-hmm. you know what? You're... You've worked with a lot of pretty big name people. Um, I'm really, mm-hmm. you know, you've done a lot of really good work. And uh, Deepak Chopra has um, talked about your book uh, and given you a quote. And Wayne Dyer, Elizabeth Gilbert, um, just a, many, many people. And is, it must feel really good to have recognition, recognition from people at that level. <laughs> yeah, I... Uh... When I before my first book came out, after I was a professor, I became a producer of events. So I produced events for Wayne and Deepak and Liz and all that. And I, I learned so much just being in their presence, just being, you know, in 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 the witnessing of how they were living as as large as they can. Mm. And it really was when Wayne passed away because we became very close friends. Um, that things really accelerated for me and I, I just couldn't, I couldn't um, deny anymore my role and what I was here for 
And, you know, and I'm sure you've heard this, that he's so active on the other side. He just loves supporting and being there for everybody. So, yeah, it's definitely a gift. Well, let's send him some love his way and appreciate everything he has brought (laughs) to the world along with you and all of your teachers and, Mm -hmm. you know, people that brought us together. (laughs) You know, I just, I feel really in the space right now of gratitude. Yeah. And the time that we've got to share today. And do you have any other final thoughts that you kind of want to leave with us? I'm just really grateful that um, you both jumped into the conversation with me today. It feels uh, feels really good. And I really appreciate the work that you do and the kind of wisdom that you bring to your listeners. So thank you. Oh, we're so excited. (laughs) We're giddy. Um, The fact that we... We, as soon as we get together, we just start giggling. And when we realize, oh, it's podcast day, you know, I I always say to Linnea, oh, we get to play. This is like, because we're talking about our favorite subjects with our favorite people and we just really enjoy it. And we think, appreciate all the listeners and support that we've been getting online. And, you know, if you have any friends or family members or yourself that have questions or, you know, we really are here for you. You can email me at Gina at the liberated healer.com or on my website, the liberated healer.com. And you can also find us on Instagram at liberated healer podcast. And you can reach out to, um, where do you have any handles that you want to, where people can find your book or anything? Yeah. So my website and there's lots of free resources there and you can find the book, which you can pre-order now. It's coming out on April 8th. Um, but um, there's a lot of like great free content on my website, kind of in preparation and celebration for the launch. And that's dot com. And again, thank you. This is Gina Cavalier for The Liberated Healer. And this was Linnea Hodson. And we'll see you next time. Yes, thanks, guys. Bye for now. Bye-bye, Anne. If you enjoyed this podcast, show your support by finding us online at theliberatedhealer.com. And there you can find all of our social handles. Podcast. Yes.